0: I don't blame you okay. Good evening. All right, how is everybody? Good <laughs> Everybody's like, do, do I answer that? Yeah, not complaining because <laughs> we're gonna find out tonight what happens when you do. <laughs> well, how many of you ladies recognize this gal? Yeah, (laughs) Veruca. And I never knew she had a last name, but it's salt. So Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And if you've watched it with your children or your grandchildren, you may remember how spoiled rotten she was. And if you remember the scene where she's in the, I don't even know what you call it, where the geese were laying the golden eggs. And she's like, daddy I want it and I want it now give it to me now you know and she breaks out into song about the geeses and the gooses and then she goes down the chute you know um, because of her selfishness and her envy and her pride well I kind of thought of Miriam don't you think Miriam was kind of like that on day three where we studied her and when she went before Moses and she dragged along Aaron with her and she went and she said has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? He's like, Moses, I want more and I want it now. You know, you kind of see Barucha coming out in her. But that's what um, Melissa, our author of our study, she did the digging deeper. And so that's who she concentrated on was Miriam in the digging deeper. And so I wanted to go through that with you because I think there's some life lessons we can learn from Miriam. Unfortunately, in a bad instance, but we can always learn from those instances in hindsight, what she should have done, but what we can do in the sense of not complaining or being envious of somebody um, in a position that we kind of covet or want ourselves. So before I begin, can I just open us up in prayer and get our hearts started? Um, Lord, we are so thankful to be here this evening. I just thank you for these dear ladies who came out on a cold cold night to hear a word from you father and i pray that they either hear a a word that ministers to their heart tonight through the lecture or maybe through the word in the book or through discussion group maybe somebody will share something that will just pierce their hearts that will cause them to love you more to know you more and to grow more christ like because of it father we thank you for this time may what is shared tonight glorify you And all that we say and do, in your precious name we pray. Amen.
1: Okay, so like I said,
0: we're concentrating on Miriam tonight. And if you know anything about Miriam, um, Melissa goes through a little bit of detail. If you want to pull that up, you can can look at what she's written about her. But I'll give you some things that Melissa has shared. And Miriam was a leader of the Israelite people. In Micah 6.4 it says, I brought you up out of Egypt. He's talking to the Israelites and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. So it's not like Miriam doesn't have a high position here, right? On top of that, she's a prophetess. Does anybody know what a prophetess does? They speak to the people of the Lord and they reveal to the people God's messages they reveal God to them. So it's a high honor as well. And in fact, there's only several prophetesses in the Old Testament. There's Miriam, there's Deborah, and there's Holda. And then in the New Testament, there's Anna and Philip's four daughters. So there's not very many women who've been called to this position. So it is a high honor for Miriam to be called a prophetess. On top of that, she's also a singer. When the Israelites crossed through the Red Sea on dry land, After they all got through, they were praising God, and Miriam wrote a song. So she's not only a singer, she's a songwriter. And she wrote, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Now we have a children's song about that, don't we? So Miriam's influence is still carrying on today. So she's not only a prophetess and a singer and a songwriter, but she also led the women in this song. And if you think about it, how many Israelite men did we... Come up with in our senses. Anybody remember? I'm going to put you on the spot here. 600,000. Okay, so for every man, how? what do you think there are women? 600,000 maybe? At least, a, at least, right? A couple hundred thousand. So Miriam is bigger than Beth Moore, basically. I mean, she's the leader of hundreds of thousands of women. That's no small thing. But yet, look what she says. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? I want more. She wasn't content with what she already had. She wanted more. She wanted more power. She wanted more recognition. And she wanted more equality because she didn't think she was getting enough recognition and equality that Moses was getting. Frankly, does anybody want Moses' job? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I wouldn't. But yet Miriam did. So what happened to Miriam? And if you even think about it, she was the one who helped save Moses' life when she was a little girl, wasn't she? How, what's the irony there? She saw God's hand in preserving Moses' life and how the princess came along and brought Moses into her, the palace and raised him up. So Miriam should have known this was God's will for Moses, but yet she was not content with where she was. So what happened? She became envious, and I think she became a little prideful. Perhaps her position went to her head. Do you know what I'm saying? So contentment is what Melissa says is the anecdote to envy, and I would say to pride as well. But there are also three things that we can learn to become content that I think Miriam, had she practiced them, would have been content. And we see the first of it in Numbers 12, 5 through 8. I want you to concentrate on that last sentence. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's very telling. So the first thing was its reverence for the Lord. Miriam lost sight or temporary lost her focus in reverencing the Lord. I don't think she lost it altogether because I think she gets it back. But I think it's a momentary lapse of who's in control here. It's not really Moses, it's God. Because who put Moses in that position? It was God. So I think Miriam wasn't afraid of God at that point. So she went up against Moses. And God's like, that's not right. You're showing irreverence for me. So she lost that. Now, that fear or being afraid is not the trembling kind of fear, like you're scared or anything, but it's reverence. It's awe for the Lord and who he is and who he puts in power. So, Proverbs nineteen twenty three says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied.
1: Then NIV says,
0: Then one rests content. If you're fearing the Lord, you're content in where you're at and who you are, because that's what God has created you to be and where he's put you. So, fear and reverence of the Lord. This Bible theology dictionary says the fear of the Lord is an inducement to obedience and service. To fear God is to do his will. Miriam was already in God's will, wasn't she? She was already doing exactly what he had prepared for her to do, being a prophetess, singing, and leading the ladies. But somehow she stepped outside of that will. She wanted more. And she didn't think God's will was good enough for her because she wanted what Moses had. Oh, boy. Hope they're okay. Romans 13 says, For there is no authority except from God. Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Now, Miriam obviously didn't have this scripture, right? Because this is New Testament. It wasn't written then. But she would have known the concept. She would have known the application. She would have known that God had put Moses in a position of governing authority because he was governing the Israelites. And so she resists that. And that incense and says, those who resist will incur judgment. So we see that that does happen. But I want to give you perspective here of what that judgment is. Because I want you to see how seriously God takes complaining against those he's put in authority. So I don't know if you know the story of Korah, which is also in Numbers. It's coming up in chapter 16. So we're going to look at that for just a little bit. So Korah and a group of men, and then also 250 chiefs of the of the congregation, they rise up and they go against Moses and Aaron. And look what they say: You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Do you hear echoes of Miriam here? Has God spoken only through you, Moses? Why have you exalted yourself above everybody else? It's the same complaint. Envy and pride. Now, Korah, unfortunately, got a huge, fatal judgment. What happened was God severely punished him, opened up the earth, literally. There's a huge chasm. And Korah and everybody with him, including his innocent family, who probably had nothing to do with what he did, went down alive to Sheol, which is hell. That's how seriously God took Korah's rebellion. Now, with Miriam, she only got a case of leprosy. And the the ladies yesterday morning laughed, and I thought, I just gave you perspective. I mean, at least the Lord didn't smote her. He didn't kill her. She got a case of leprosy. And because Aaron interceded for her, God was gracious to her. And he banished her outside the camp for seven days. I mean, who wouldn't want that? (laughs) I told the ladies yesterday morning a funny joke because a lot of times if I do something wrong at my house, the kids will say, you're grounded, Mom. And I'll be like, yes, I'm grounded. And I'm like, can I go to my room? And they'll be like, yeah, but no books. (laughs) For me, that's total punishment. I would love to be grounded in my room, but I have to have my books. Miriam got a divine grounding, basically. She got put outside the camp, and this actually is a public punishment. And why do you think that is? Because it was meant to be a deterrent for anybody else who thought about rising up against Moses and complaining and envying the position he had. So it was punishment for Mary and personally, and it was also a public deterrent. And if you know anything about leprosy, they were considered unclean. So if she tried to come back into the camp, like she was being sneaky, people had to yell out, unclean, unclean. And then she would be further humiliated. So this was a public punishment for Miriam, unfortunately. Now, how many of you sent your kids to their room and you said, now you go to your room and you think about what you just did. Hopefully that's what Miriam did for those seven days. And let's hope that she came to the point of being thankful. Let's hope she took that time to think about what she had already had given to her by God. Which was already a high position. And thankful means being glad. It means being thankful for God's grace, working out what is good, showing appreciation for. Two things Miriam did not do in that moment. What she had was already good, but she wasn't showing appreciation for it. Scripture says to give thanks in all circumstances. And that might be circumstances where you're feeling that green-eyed monster of envy creeping up into your little heart. Be thankful for what God's already given you and who he's already created you to be. Tall order, but it can be learned. And lastly, what she should have done, too, is she should have rejoiced with Moses. Again, Moses may not have been real happy that he had that position, But Miriam could have been glad that God raised him up to have that position. She should have rejoiced with him. And again, that means to be glad. So a thankful heart, a rejoicing heart, is a contented heart. And if we are practicing those two things, then we're less apt to be envious. We're less apt to be jealous or prideful of what somebody else has. God's gifted each one of us with a gift. At least one. And if we're each using them to build up the body of Christ, and if I see a sister in Christ who has one that maybe she's getting a little bit more recognition for, I should be happy for her. Look what God's doing in her life. Look how God's using her to reach people, to bless people. And then you can be thankful and rejoice in what God has gifted you with to to bless and impact others as well. And hopefully your sisters in Christ are rejoicing with you as well. So rejoice with them. For God's given us so much. John Gill says, Rejoice with your sisters, not in anything sinful or criminal, obviously, but in things good and laudable, as in outward prosperity. And to rejoice with such, it's a a difficult task, isn't it, to rejoice with somebody else? Because you have to humble yourself. You have to put yourself aside, your selfishness, and you have to look at them and rejoice with them. For unless persons have a concern in the prosperity of others, they are very apt to envy it, to murmur, and to repine. And then Adam Clark says this, To take a lively interest in the prosperity of others, let it be a matter of rejoicing to you when you hear of the health, the prosperity, or happiness of any brother. I know it's easier said than done, isn't it? But I think when we are rejoicing with others, it glorifies God, doesn't it? because we are rejoicing in how he has gifted them and who he has made them to be.
1: And finally, God, the infinite
0: eternal God, has pleasures, comforts, satisfactions, joys with which he can fill the soul as to give it the most perfect and overflowing contentment and happiness, and that forever and ever. Amen? Amen? So rejoice. Be thankful. Reverence God. Know that he is in control. He places authorities over us i'm not mentioning any names we may not agree with them we may not like them but we have to know that they are in place because god has put them there be thankful for them be thankful for how god has created you for who you are and rejoice with others and how god has created them and who they are so that's it short and sweet so you guys can have a great discussion group let me close in prayer and then i'm off and you guys can have your discussion time Lord, we are thankful so much that you are a God who is in control. Father, help each one of us to be content, unlike Miriam in this situation. Help us to have reverence for who you are, for whom you've raised up. Help us to be thankful. Help us to rejoice with others. We love you, Lord. I ask that you bless each one of these ladies here tonight. Give them a good discussion time. And may you be glorified in what is spoken to tonight. In your precious name we pray, amen.